0: Morning, everyone. Welcome to God's house for worship this this wonderful holiday weekend. Two truths we're going to see throughout the readings and especially in the Word of God coming up in the devotion. Number one, God gives rewards. And that needs to be fleshed out a little bit. God gives rewards. And because God gives rewards, number two, the spiritual fight is worth the fight. And so take up your cross. And follow him. Order of service is found on screen or in your folder. At this time, let's begin with our opening hymn Fight the Good Fight. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all Let us then confess our sins to the Lord. Holy God, gracious Father, I am sinful by nature and have sinned against you in my thoughts, words, and actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved others as I should. I deserve your punishment both now and forever. But Jesus, my Savior, paid for my sins with his innocent suffering and death. Trusting in him, I pray, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Our gracious Father in heaven has been merciful to us. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as the atoning sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. Therefore is a called servant of Christ and by his authority alone. I forgive you all of your sin in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In peace then, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. of all power and might, you are the giver of all that is good. Help us love you with all our heart. Strengthen us in true faith. Provide us with all that we need and keep us safe in your care. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. First lesson is from Exodus 32, and this serves as a basis for the sermon. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the covenant law in his hands. Those are the Ten Commandments. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablets were the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There's a sound of war in the camp. Moses replied, It's not the sound of victory. It's not the sound of defeat, it's the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Don't be angry, my lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what's happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control, and so became a laughingstock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 of the people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today, for you are against your own sons and brothers, and he has blessed you this day. The word of the Lord. Continue with Psalm 27. The second lesson is from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Because God gives the greatest reward of eternal life, Paul is encouraging Timothy and those he shares the gospel with, make sure you hang on to this. Don't lose it. Keep pursuing spiritual things for Jesus' sake. But you, men of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. who alone is immortal, and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Be to God. Please stand for the gospel. The gospel from Matthew 10. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father... A daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Please be seated for him, 702. the name of jesus who bids us follow no matter the cost cold steel the levites with cold steel strapped to their side pulled those swords out and they swung it and they killed their sons and daughters Their brothers and sisters, maybe even their fathers and mothers. And they cut down 3,000 people about in a single day. How could they do it? From a New Testament perspective, looking at it, looking at that Old Testament selection from what Jesus said, the way they did it is by taking up their cross. And following him, their hearts were grounded in the Lord and they put their faith into practice. And from a New Testament gospel perspective, Jesus looks at you today and says, Could you? Would you do that same thing? This world and the way it teaches and practices the word love It is so twisted, it is so maligned, it is so distorted and deformed that we today, on the basis of what culture is doing around us, we look back at those Levites and say, wow, they look like religious zealots. They look like they were a part of a cult. They went way overboard in what they did. And the way the world works today, it creeps into our hearts and lives like Satan sneaking into the garden and slithering in, and it causes us to be timid today and back on our heels with what love really is. And so we start, start second-guessing love and saying, shouldn't anything really go today? Isn't everything just upright? Should I really say no to my kid? I mean, that just sounds terrible shouldn't we just be peacemakers in the family and when we see something happen, whether at the office or with, among the relatives, shouldn't we just kind of look the other way and pretend it didn't happen? And I mean, don't we just get along to go along? And so we start cutting corners. And inevitably, what happens is you're not just cutting corners on God, you are cutting God completely out of the picture. The Levites tuned their ears and grounded their hearts in the Lord. It was God first. Their hearts and ears were honed and shaped by the word of God. And they picked up that cross and they followed, in a manner of speaking, Jesus. Please don't think for a second that that was easy for them to do. That was incredibly hard for them to do. But they did it. And so again, Jesus looks at you on the basis of the gospel and he says, Would you? Would you today, if you saw your brother or sister sinning and persisting in that sin, would you go talk to them about it? If the situation warranted it. Or a son or a daughter. Or, whoa, would you do it for the in-laws? I mean, that really gets a little dicey when you bring the in-laws into the picture. I know exactly what happens, and and better than that, Jesus does too. He's not naive. I mean, here we are between the Lord and between relatives and people we care for, and certainly we care for the Lord too, And, and we see something going wrong, something not right among the relatives, one of them, and you know what happens in the heart, it's, I love the Lord, but, man, i got to deal with these people almost every day. i got to see them. I want to see the grandkids. I don't want to turn my kids away from me. I want to have a relationship with them. And and you just start thinking of all the ramifications and the consequences. And, Lord, I know I'm going to see you down the road, but, but these people are every day. And it's to that, it's to that pressure that wells up in the heart. And that hesitancy to carry out what is good and upright according to the word of God, that Jesus says in that moment, that's what I'm talking about. Deny yourself. That sinful nature that's in here that doesn't want to do what God has said, that wants to minimize his, deny that. Your sinful nature, curb it, cut it out. And follow him. We've all got shrubs around the house, or most of us, bushes. And I know how it goes. You know how it goes with the years go by. You're working at the office or you're traveling for this or for that. Life happens. And so all of a sudden you take a step back after two, three, four, five. How in the world did that bush get so big? It's the same with sin. It's the same with cutting corners. And all of a sudden, the weed whacker doesn't cut it. The thing's too big. I'm going to go in the garage and get that loppers. as it does branches up to one to three inches. Oh, that's not even big enough. I've got to go get the chainsaw. These limbs have grown just so big. And so when you see sin, even if it's among the relatives, could you do it? Could you come to a gathering of the voters here at church And would you speak up if one of your relatives was persisting in sin? And would you say, I know what Jesus says in the Bible, and I still love my relative, which is why I'm asking you to practice the word of God here and excommunicate my relative. Wow. Do you think Jesus, when he said Matthew, that section in Matthew today, Do you think he understood a situation like Howard's Grove where just about everybody's related to everybody in the community and how this would all work? Yeah, I think he did. And I think he knew how hard this was going to be too. God first. Would you, with a wayward kid that's persisting, completely defiant to mom and dad, would you rewrite your will and cut that wayward child out of your will? Because God did. He tasked the Levites to cut down about 3,000 relatives. Do you know what that means? They didn't get to go to the promised land on earth. And they didn't get to go to the eternal promised land in heaven. God cut them out of his gracious will. And they went to hell. There are consequences. I hope you begin to see these lessons that are before us today. It's not about wielding a sword, a physical one. That's not what I'm teaching anybody to do. Today's lesson in and of itself, it's not about rewriting your will, but it is about where's your heart? Does God have it? Is it God first? Is it God one and only? Is it God through and through? Is it fully devoted to God, so much so that no matter what the situation is before you, you would put into practice what God has said? That's what it means to take up your cross and follow. God first. And I hope you know on the basis of the scriptures, there is never one incentive from the Bible or from God to sin. God never promises there will be any reward for sin. And those 3,000 found that out that day. God will either punish sin immediately, like he did with the Levites, or he will punish sin inevitably. It will happen. He will bring to end the wrongdoer. But you know what? On the basis of the scripture, God does promise to reward good behavior. And I know that sounds strange, We talk about grace in in church. But God does promise to reward uprightness. And so the Bible's chocked full of incentives. Let me give you a few. This is Ephesians chapter 6. Because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. Again, God will reward each one for whatever good they do. Revelation 22, look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Hmm, more rewards. Or how about the gospel lesson today? Just look in, your, in the bulletin in a little bit after the sermon. Jesus promises you give a cup of water to somebody in my name. You're not going to lose your reward. Even the most basic upright thing in life, he promises there are going to be rewards. And and what does this mean? God promises to reward in this life, upright conduct, upright behavior, goodness, righteousness. Outwardly speaking, when somebody is a good citizen and they do upright things, God rewards that. Men or women? Young or old and everybody in between? believer or unbeliever and do you know what kind of rewards he can give he can give good health long life he can give wealth he can give toys he can give vacation time he can give peace in the family that would be a reward he can give children there are just a host of rewards God can give, and he can give them in different portions, in different quantities. It's completely up to him to decide what he's going to do. But here's the catch. These rewards God gives for upright behavior, good conduct, in line with natural law, we call this civic righteousness, uh, theologically, they're only for this life. They're only for this globe. Only for the here and now. And so, when an unbelieving man and woman get married and they're faithful to each other, God rewards that. When people tell the truth to one another, God rewards that. When somebody goes into the office and puts in an honest day's work, God rewards that. When children are obedient to their parents, even if they're unbelieving parents and unbelieving children, God rewards that. Haven't you heard the fourth commandment? The first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long life on the earth. There's a reward or a blessing for outward good conduct. God blesses these things. Now why? Why would God reward believer or unbeliever for good behavior on the outside? Because the Lord always stands for what is right. And he always stands against what is wrong. He never rewards sin. He cuts it down. Either in time or at the end of time. Hmm. So if God gives so many rewards on earth, and he does, we're all blessed. Unbelievers are blessed too. Look around the earth. Look around the United States. Blessings abound. Rewards abound. If If God gives rewards to believer and unbeliever alike for just good behavior and upright behavior on earth, well, then why be a Christian? What benefit is there to being a Christian? Oh, everything. This is Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists And that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. What's the difference between rewards on earth and the reward of faith in Jesus Christ? The the difference between these two is that there's nothing in my life here on earth by living an upright life that I can do, that you can do, that any sinner can do, that will ever earn eternal life or this eternal reward with God. So when God gives rewards for earthly uprightness, not one of those, not one conduct, conduct, lifestyle, not one person can ever earn eternal life. Your life will never merit the eternal reward. Only he can. Only Jesus can earn the eternal reward. Only Jesus has done it. And so here you can have a next door neighbor on earth who's an unbeliever. And he and his wife have this wonderful marriage and they're both unbelievers and God rewards them. He blesses them with things in abundance here on earth except where there's no faith Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so at the end of their life, these wonderful, nice American citizens still go to hell. Very, very sad. What about people who love their parents? Isn't that a wonderful thing when children love their parents at any age of life? When children take care of their parents? It is a wonderful thing, and God rewards that. It's a reward to have wonderful parents and and for kids to love their parents. That's how he designed it. There should be a love there. And nowhere in the section Jesus was talking, in that gospel section of Matthew, is he saying that's a bad thing to love your parents. But when that love encroaches on love for God, and when somebody loves their parents more than they love God, well, then they have their reward here on earth. And they have lost... Their eternal reward. And they will not go to heaven. And that's what he says. Anyone who loves his father or mother more than me, that person's not worthy of me and they're not coming to heaven. This becomes really important then for God's people, doesn't it? Second uh, John says this. Watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. I'm thankful, I am so thankful when God lavishes earthly blessings on God's people and even on unbelievers. What a wonderful thing. But that's not the full reward. The full reward is that you and I would also receive the eternal blessings that God has for us in Jesus Christ. And so the warning or the encouragement from the apostle, watch out, and we do. What does watch out mean? It means watch these sinful hearts of ours. Watch the arrogance that encroaches and creeps up in here with all of the blessings God lavishes on every one of us in this room and around the United States. Watch out that these blessings and these earthly rewards don't start warping your mind that you take for granted the eternal ones in Jesus Christ. What else do we watch? We watch our theology. We watch what we're hearing. We watch what we're feeding our souls. We watch our children, even after the age of confirmation. It is hard today in this world, and it's probably been no different in times past, but it is especially hard today to maintain and increase your spiritual life in this raunchy, wicked world. It is extremely difficult. And so we watch our lives, we watch our kids, we watch our families, and we bring our loved ones here. So that they meet Jesus regularly. So that I repent for those sins along with you that are in here. I understand something very important along with you about Jesus Christ. That as true God, he has the right to swing that sword and cut me down. But instead of doing that, he took up his cross and he died on it. And he took this man's punishment, he took your punishment, he took the punishment of the entire world, all of the consequences we deserve. And even before that, he lived his life for you. His is the one life that was pleasing to God. His is the one life that met every regulation of God so that when your faith is in Jesus Christ, you're pleasing to God. Your sins are forgiven. Heaven itself, the greatest reward God can give, eternal life with God, that's your future. And so we come here to meet Jesus, to grow in his grace and to be encouraged again to take up our cross and to follow him because it is worth it. The Levites, for what they did, they were commended by God. They were set apart that day for what they did, hard as it was to cut their their relatives down. But they put the Lord first. And what God did that day is he said, you guys are going to be the officiants at the tabernacle and at the temple. And so the Levites became the priests to serve their brothers and sisters. So here they go one day from cutting them down and they hand in their swords and instead they receive knives in a manner of speaking. And then when sinners came before those Levites, they didn't cut those sinners down anymore. They cut animals. And it was a picture of that coming Savior that would come to forgive their sins. Now they were given this wonderful gift of restoring sinners in their relationship to the Lord. The Levites' devotion that day was supposed to be on on every single time they served at the tabernacle or at the temple. We represent the Lord. It's the same for your servants today. The teachers that you've called, the staff minister, the pastors... In us, I hope you see God first, that we are people, hard as it is sometimes to put God first and keep him there, that that's what we're going to do. And we're going to faithfully then practice the word of God and bring it to you and take up our cross and follow. If we love you and if we love the Lord, that's how we're going to serve you best. And now as you finish your worship service today, and as you go back into the world with your neighbors and all unbelieving people, how best are you going to serve them? It's one thing to display all of the wonderful rewards God has given to you in this life. You've been faithful. But what they really need to see is that you have the right with God reward. That heaven is open and that you'll share the word with them. As your workers take up the cross and follow Jesus, join us in it. Hard as it is, take up your cross and follow Jesus and bring the word. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of God which surpasses our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We join in the Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. Almighty God and Father, we thank you for all your mercies, especially for the gift of your Son, through whom you've revealed your gracious will. We praise you for the Holy Spirit and his working through the means of grace. Plant your word in our hearts and cause it to truth in our lives. Strengthen and defend your church that by your word and sacraments faith may grow and love toward all may increase. Keep our children in the grace of their baptisms. Enable their parents to train them in lives of faith. Raise up Christians to serve you in the ministry of the word and in all
1: godly walks
0: of life. Preserve our nation in justice and honor. Guide and bless all who make, administer, and judge our laws. Let your blessing rest on planting and harvest, commerce and industry, medicine and science, the arts and culture. Protect all who travel and care for those whose work is difficult or dangerous.
1: All who
0: Comfort all who are in sorrow or need, sickness or adversity. Remember those who suffer persecution for the faith. Have mercy on those for whom death draws near. Lord, we join Jane Koenig and praise you for bringing her sister Mildred Wiegand to your side in heaven. She was a member of St. John, St. Peter in Cleveland. You blessed Mildred in life and have now given her eternal comfort for Jesus' sake. Lord, at this time, comfort all who mourn. And we thank you, Lord, for another national birthday celebrating our independence. Bless the United States of America, its leadership and its people. And the greatest reward is not a day of rest but the rest you won for us in Jesus Christ. And help us appreciate that. Hear us, Lord, as we now pray in silence. We remember with thanksgiving those who have loved and served you, who now rest from their labors. Console those who are mourning or living with sadness. Grant us these things, dear Father, for the sake of Jesus, who died and rose again. forever and ever. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated. everyone. Getting a mic ready. If Lynn, if you wanted to come on up already. Just a few announcements for you that I have. Uh, Bible study is going to take place right in here after uh, service. So we'll start about 9.20 or so. There are some goodies uh, down in the kitchen commons area. So feel free to enjoy some coffee and goodies and come on back. We're going to be looking at 2 Samuel uh, 5, 6, and 7. And then guess how old our couch and chair are in the narthex? Yeah, almost 20. 20 years-ish? Getting new ones tomorrow. Uh, Bitter Newman is donating a new couch and a new chair. And then that piece of furniture under the mural. uh, Bitter Newman's going to take that. I believe they donated that uh, in the past. And we had Don Becker uh, who built our cross and other pieces of furniture around here. He just did the offering stands out there. He stained the ones in the front. He built a really nice Uh, It's a little kiosk on wheels. It's going under that mural. It doesn't have the countertop yet, so that'll be put in place in about two weeks, but it is really a beautiful piece of furniture. So uh, very nice things happening. And then then why don't we switch to you? Thank you, Pastor.
2: Uh, I'm Lynn Litt, Chairman of the Evangelism Committee. And for the past several weeks, or several months actually, we've been working on a process to develop a church photo directory. This past Thursday evening, uh, approximately 30 St. Paul members volunteered, along with the evangelism committee, and we did a test run. We took photos of approximately 15 families. We uploaded those and were successful with those. Later Thursday evening, there were two needs request emails that were sent out to everyone. Uh, One of the needs requests was for sign-up dates and times, time slots for the month of July. And the second needs request was for uh, dates and time slots for signups for photos for the month of August. So you, should, you should have those if you don't let us know. If you're unable to sign up for one of those dates in July or August, if you look at the needs request near the top of the Page of the needs request, there's a statement and it says the following. I'll read this. Please fill out this form to request follow up. And there's a link. However, it's not a hyperlink, so you can't click on it. What you'd have to do is copy that link, put it in a web browser, and once you hit enter, a form will pop up. And the form's called St. Paul's Photo Directory Time Follow up Request. There's about four or five questions. it take you about 20 seconds to fill that out. Then in the bottom of that page is a blue button that says submit. And just hit that button and that'll come to us. And then what we'll decide later on, how we're going to handle or how we're going to set up people who could not make those dates in July and August. If you have any problems with that, um, that form, Give me a call. I'll be out in the narthex after this after worship service, or call your office, and then Aaron will take the information I need to hold you this week. One last item is the photos that are being taken are only for the church photo directory. They are not going to be sold, and we're not. There's no pressure on you to buy any. So just so you know.
0: But they're really good quality. We saw the ones you yes. did, and they're very well done. So and, thank you. And we decided
2: to do this all in house. It's been a big project. I like I said, we had about 30 volunteers to help us, and we really appreciate it. It's a great, great way to serve. So if you have any questions, I'll be all in next afterwards. Thank you.
0: And, and we are willing, right, to share with people that fo- they could take it to a Walgreens and print it if they really wanted to, correct? They want to. Yeah. So still could get use out of it. Thank you for your work. Really appreciate it and uh, we're going to watch this month's edition of the Wells Connection. Hi, I'm Wells President Mark Schrader. It's common to invest our financial resources